Hey listeners, Sarah here. If you're anything like me, you've probably been immersed in the news coming out of Ukraine the past few weeks. Here on Broads You Should Know, we have spent a lot of time learning about the crimes of colonizers and the illegal annexation of lands by bigger and stronger aggressors. And we remember the story of Lilu'uokalani and Hawaii, Queen Ranavalan III in Madagascar, the Japanese occupation of Korea, and so many more. We also remember the story of the epically talented Olympic gymnast Vera Cheslavska, who had to train in secret to avoid being hunted down by her pro-Soviet government. That was in the 1960s. And now, here we are in 2022, and we are witnessing in real time the attempted annexation of Ukraine. It's unreal. And it's the most real. And I hope you're watching it like I am, with eyes wide open and weeping. If you know me personally, you know that I am a realist. But I'm also an avid seeker of hope in the dark and difficult times. And amidst the stories of the bombings of opera houses and universities in Ukraine, I'm also seeing stories that echo the strength, resilience, and cleverness, and even the radiant humor of the Ukrainian people. Stories of Ukrainian farmers towing Russian tanks while the Russian soldiers who weren't paying attention run behind trying to catch up. Stories of trapped soldiers on Snake Island telling the approaching boats, Russian warship, go fuck yourself. Stories of girls closing their OnlyFans page to join the military resistance. Stories of Ukrainian lawmakers who refuse to abandon their posts and their country. As I'm reading these news stories, and with the knowledge that Kyiv is coming under heavier and heavier fire and Russian soldiers are inching closer by the minute, I can't help but be reminded of the first Ukrainian broad in history. And she also happens to be one of my personal favorites that we've ever covered on this podcast, Olga of Kyiv. Before Zelensky and Putin were presidents, before the USSR existed, before they were even friggin' czars, there was Olga of Kyiv. Her brutal but brilliant war tactics, her dazzling political know-how, and her smart leadership put Kyiv on the map in 900 AD, making it the very heart of what was known as the Kievan Rus. So Putin saying Ukraine always belonged to Russia, it's bullshit because it's actually the other way around. So this week on Broads You Should Know, I'm rebroadcasting Olga's episode to remind everyone who the real OG boss of Kiev is, and that Ukrainians today carry around this raw strength and clever brain power that Olga did so long ago. Slava Ukraini. She was this gun-toting, whiskey-drinking broad. The super epic fucking broad. She was a pioneer in the industry. She's also so famous and so controversial. So controversial. So she's kind of a big fucking deal. Her story is so incredible. She belongs on this podcast because she's a broad you should know. Hello from Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I am Sarah Gorski. I'm Sam Eggers. And I'm Justin Xavier. And today I'm going to be talking about Olga of Kiev. Have you guys ever heard of Olga of Kiev? I have not. But she sounds awesome. It's a great name. mm -hmm. I think you ought to buckle your seatbelts. Okay. Because she is abroad unlike any other. 
And why do you we know about her? Why? You know what? I, it was another one of those passing memes. I don't. Why? I shouldn't get so many of my broads from memes that I see. <laughs> um, but then you look and you're like, wow, that's a weird and crazy story. Is that true? And then I did my research and was like, oh wow, that is true. Plus more that wasn't even in the meme. So uh, I had to bring her to you guys because I think she's just pretty incredible. So. We're going back in time. Okay. Go back in the old time machine. Going back to... Hop in the DeLorean. Let's um, go. We don't know her exact birthday, oh. but it's sometime between 890 and 925 AD. So kind of, you know, big throwback there. Way back mm-hmm. there. Way back when. And there's not very much known about her prior to her marriage to Prince Igor I, except that she was of Viking origin. Mm. She was a Viking babe. Sweet. Igor and Olga is the couple. <laughs> yes. It's great. It's adorable. And because I'm a nerd who studied in Russia, I always say Yegor instead of Igor. Igor is like the American. Mm. Yegor. Yegor. Yeah, you know. Just so the audience knows what I'm talking about. Um, Yegor was the son and heir of Rurik and the Rurik dynasty. And under Rurik and Oleg, who was his guardian, Yegor's uh, uh, guardian, a ton of power had been consolidated in the region, conquering a bunch of tribes and forming what they called the Kievan Rus Empire. And their capital was Kiev. Um, so that today, that's like part of Russia, Ukraine, Belarus. That's the area of the world we're talking about. And so Olga and Yegor get married. And one of the tribes next door in this time period was uh, called the Drevlians. Uh, and at one time... It's a great word. Yeah, the Drevlians. I know. You don't hear it very much, and there's a reason. Oh. Um, so one of the tribes, uh, the Drevlians, they were sort of friends with the Rus, the, the Cuban Rus. They, like, fought the Byzantine Empire together, and they paid taxes to Yugor's dad and to Oleg, um, because his dad died before uh, Yugor was old enough, so Oleg was kind of the guy who kind of held power w- until Yugor got old enough. But when Oleg died, they were like, we're not going to pay our taxes anymore. Mm. We don't really care for that. <laughs> and so Yugor was pissed. Yugor was like, what the fuck, dude? So he took his larger army, his army was considerably larger than the Drevlian's army, brought them over and was like, you guys, you have got to pay the rent. Uh, and the Drevlians were scared of their bigger army, so they paid up. It should end well, like the story should be over. But in what I can only describe as one of the most dude moments in history, halfway home, Yegor decides that they hadn't paid him enough money. <laughs> Oh, so he rides back uh, with a smaller party since it takes a long time to turn the army around. So he goes back with the smaller party and the Drevlians were like, mm, no, and they murdered him. Whoa. Yeah. I can't, I have trouble like comprehending like what it was that made him think that was going to be successful. But you know, that is, that was his choice and you know, he did that. <laughs> a side note, uh, Olga and Yegor had a son, uh, Sviatoslav. But he was only three years old at this time when Yegor's murder, murdered. So Olga assume, had to assume the throne until he came of age in the same way the previous Oleg had to. Um, so Olga's running shit while, he, while Yegor is gone. And then the Drevlians have successfully killed Yegor. And they're like, oh my god, we're so good at killing. We're so good. <laughs> uh, and, and they were like feeling really proud about their murdering oh, skills. No. So they send 20 negotiators in a boat to Olga's court. Negotiators. Uh I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Negotiators. They send them to Olga and they tell her, first of all, her husband was dead. And second of all, she needed to marry their prince, Prince Mal. 
Prince Mal. 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 I guess M A L. So all just means bad. Prince bad. He's a bad prince. Bad. And you're gonna marry him. This feels like a fairy tale. It does. Kind of. <laughs> um, so Olga responds to them, uh, and this is a quote, I think, from the history book. Your proposal is pleasing to me. Indeed, my husband cannot rise again from the dead, but I desire to honor you tomorrow in the presence of my people. Return now to your boat and remain there with an aspect of arrogance. I shall send for you on the morrow, and you shall say, we will not ride on horses nor go on foot. Carry us in our boat, and you shall be carried in your boat. <laughs> the negotiators are like, honors? They're going to carry us through the city? They were like, wow, mm. this is going really well for us. <laughs> yeah. We have accomplished all this and more. Prince Ma is going to be so excited. So they go back to their boat. Good overnight. thing we didn't pay up that second time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? They, the Drevelians made a lot of great decisions. So they, so they go back to their little boat. And then the next day, they come back in their boat. And the people literally like lift their boat up and carry the whole boat through the city to Olga's court and they drop the whole boat into a ditch that had been dug in the middle of the court and Olga buried them alive. <gasps> buried Dang. all 20 negotiators and their boat alive. <laughs> that's, that's, that's an extreme choice. Yeah, yeah. was it like choice. a was it like a trap door? Like they didn't see it coming, or they just were like, "Well, let's get in this pit and wait." <laughs> I, I like my only assumption can be pit. right. Like they're being carried through the city. They're like, "Oh my god, this is the best day of my life! Yeah. Look at all these people worshiping me. I'm gonna get laid tonight. Like so much is going well for me. I'm gonna get mm-hmm. the promotion." And all of them are like, "Woohoo, woohoo!" And then and the, then they know, just threw the boat into a pit. Yeah, because the people are obeying. I Olga, see. who is now oh, okay. kind of their queen regent. That makes a little more well. sense than what I was picturing. Yeah. <laughs> Them carrying their own boat and then getting into a pit. <laughs> so. My bad. So the Drevlians, though, don't actually know, know anything that, that has happened. So mm-hmm. Olga sends them a message. She, she says a message and says, you need to send me your most distinguished men to me in Kiev so that I might go to their prince with due honor. And they didn't know what had happened to the previous party. They didn't know anyone was buried alive. And they were like, oh, that sounds great. And so they like send a party, a, a new party, to Olga and Kiev. And when they arrive, Olga invites them to appear before her after they have bathed. And she has her people prepare like this huge spa experience for them. She like has them draw up these baths with mm-hmm. scented perfumes. And she like ushers them into the bathhouse. And they're like, wow. Wow, we're so special. Really special. And Olga has the doors locked and burns the bathhouse down. (laughs) Oh man, the Drevlians. I mean, I thought you were gonna say like she makes them bathe and then she puts them in a pit and buries them alive. So at least she's expanded her repertoire here. I mean, I can't say that I don't understand why the the Drevlians were upset. (laughs) She's just taking it to the biggest extreme she is pissed that they killed her husband this is like the ultimate revenge story P. oh yeah now that you're seeing parts of it we're not to the end yet, he was but stealing like... from them <laughs> i don't know so okay so they're burned to death in the bathhouse and olga sends another message to the drevlians telling them quote prepare great quantities of mead in the city where you killed my husband that i may weep over his grave and hold a funeral feast for him they fall for this too? Yeah. 
How come our other 40 guys haven't come back? And she brings a small, this like humble party with her to visit Yagora's tomb. And they weep and weep and they hold this big funeral feast. All the things you'd expect of the time period, right? Mm -hmm. Of this great king who has died. (laughs) And all the Drevlians join in with the feast and they're all hanging out and they're drinking. Some red wedding shit. And they're drinking and they're drunk as fuck. And Olga gets up and she orders her peeps that she brought to start massacring the fuck out of them. And supposedly, uh, obviously we can't like prove such things that happened long ago, but supposedly that night 5,000 people are massacred. Wow. At this this funeral feast. How many people does she bring? Uh, All it says is a small party. Uh So I'm guessing that's like like, 100 or 200 as opposed to a full army, which would have been thousands. thousands. So everybody had to kill like. Ten guys. Yeah, and and apparently <laughs> ten super drunk. Like guys. while all her uh, while all her people are are massacring people, she's like running around and like egging them on. Like, oh, you're doing a great job. You can do more murders. You can do it. You can, she's like running around <laughs> yeah. and she's like urging. That's the most Viking thing I've heard. Urging there. It is. This is ultra Viking. She is like uh-huh. the ultimate Viking queen. I feel. And so then they they like finish their massacre for the night and they all run back to Kiev to assemble the full army and march on the city where you is coming. There's more. Is <laughs> Kordistan is the name left? of the city? Right. I mean, they have I no think army anymore. There's a lot. Of, uh, there was a lot of people. Like there, uh, that time period was not like sparsely populated. They had mm-hmm. like these cities that were forming, not very well managed, but they were there, and all these tribes had kind of combined. This is like the coming together of like organized civilization sort of so there was a lot of people i guess (laughs) so they come to the city and they lay siege on it for a year oh my god a year (laughs) and it wasn't successful and and olga's like oh this is so boring (laughs) she's like this needs to be over (laughs) i got it over my husband already (laughs) this isn't even worth it for me anymore she sends the drevlians a message and her message was why do you persist in holding out? All your cities have surrendered to me and submitted to tribute, which is the taxes. So you had the inhabitants now cultivate their fields and their lands in peace, but you had rather tide of hunger without submitting to tribute. And the Drevlians were like, dude, okay, we'll pay the tribute. <laughs> we'll pay the tribute, except that we're still afraid that you're still avenging your husband. Which was like the smartest thing they've said in this Finally. story. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, no. Murder of the negotiator's boat and the feast night massacre, it's, it's enough for me. I'm done. But listen, I got one request for you. Give me three pigeons and three sparrows from each house. And the Drevlians were like, oh my god, thank god. That's so easy, we can do it, and we're happy you're finished revenging. Here's the, all the pigeons and sparrows, you're the best, we're gonna pay our taxes from on time from now on. Thank you so much, we're so relieved this is over. It's <laughs> a lot of birds. It's a lot of birds. How do they have that many birds? <laughs> Everybody has three pigeons and sparrows. Yeah, pigeons. I feel like you would see, but right. sparrows. I mean, they use them for messages and stuff, right? I guess. I, guess. Yes. I don't know if everyone would have three. But I think that at that point, you're like your neighbor has extras, and they're like, mm. "Here, no, take yeah. them. We need this yeah. to be over, right?" Go to the, head to the aviary. <laughs> so Olga takes all these birds. So she has tiny pieces of cloth with sulfur on them tied to their feet, and she lights the fabric on fire. Oh. And because the sulfur is on the cloth, it burns really slowly. Oh. And she releases them, and they all fly back to their homes. And set all the houses on fire. And burns the city 
to the ground. This entire city is burned to the ground. According to the history books, quote, there was not a house that was not consumed and it was impossible to extinguish the flames because all the houses caught fire at once. And the people that were fleeing the city were either killed or made slaves to her followers and she left a couple alive so she could still get tributes. Oh my God. This is horrifying. my friends, is the origin story of Daenerys Targaryen. Exactly. (laughs) Olga. And then her revenge was done because the Drevlians were destroyed. decimated. They were destroyed. There was a genocide. People. So what does Olga do after this? I mean, like on a weekend when she has some spare time, what does she do now? Well, yeah, I have, it, I you have can never more. top that. Oh, no, there's more. There's, there's more. more. Okay. Okay. That's the end of the revenge story, though. That's uh, the end okay. of like the Daenerys Targaryen mm-hmm. origin story, which you can't deny. Like she lacks the people in the ha- the the temple. Remember in what mm-hmm. was that season three or four? <laughs> like, and then burns it, lacks the doors, and burns it all down. And oh, right. oh down yeah, in the, like she did it all. Right? That was like season six. I, I cannot think George R. R. Martin was not aware of Olga. not aware of Olga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some things. I mean, he. It sounds like almost every part of that story was used as a plot point in Game of Thrones at one point or another. I mean, that Bird War stuff is yeah. good. Bird Wars, yeah. That Bird War stuff is sick. Okay, so anyway, she did. She destroys. The Drevlians, and they're all finished. And she remained regent while her son was still a kid, and then he became the king, and it was always, like, great and fine. But during her rule, and while she was in charge and helping, her son went to also was at war for, like, like, he was just always at war, it sounds like. So she basically ruled in his stead while he was gone. Uh, And under her, uh, she changed the system of tribute gathering, which was technically the first legal reform recorded in Eastern Europe. Uh, And basically what she did is she assigned her own reps to gather the tributes, the taxes in each area, rather than relying on, like, the local lord to do it. So she basically, like, had ambassadors and representatives Mm. in all the cities that collected the money and then got it to her instead of the people themselves, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And she established. Were the lords of, like siphoning some off of themselves or something? I mean, probably. 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 Like you have to imagine that. That sounds like lords all yeah. the time. Lords. Yeah. I mean, that was the reason that that. I mean, that's the reason the drug. He went over there in the first place, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and she established all these trading posts and hunting reserves and towns that are still in existence today. Like, were they doing anything with the taxes to like benefit those communities? Like, the, the point of taxes is to, like, Well, I help. think the general point of the taxes is to protect people in war. So, like, That's if you pay tribute... So she just took all when, the taxes and put them into the military to kill the people who paid the taxes? Well, the Drevlians were the exception, right? Okay. So, like, if the, the you know, they were at war with the Byzantine Empire, and, like, when they came in, those were technically protected lands, right? So, essentially, you're kind of paying for your army. In the same way, mm-hmm. it, like, not too... I mean, yeah, no, that's true. Today, it's just... like 80% of our taxes go to war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely true. <laughs> the people didn't have a say in what the money was spent on, right. but if they wanted And if they didn't pay it, be... they'd be killed, so exactly. <laughs> I guess we're going to do it. Exactly, if they wanted to be part of the protection ring, you know, they had to kind of comply. And so all of the works that she did there basically kind of centralized state rule, and she, like, built this network of administrative centers they called Pogosti, uh, and they brought kind of a cultural unification to the Russian nation at that time, like which wow. didn't kind of exist before that. And then well, that's nice. I know that's, she does some all good this can work. come out of all of. And then in the in the 950s, she travels to Constantinople, uh, and the the reigning emperor was. 
Constantine the Seventh, and the source I was reading said that quote Olga came before him, and when he saw that she was very fair of countenance and wise as well, the emperor wondered at her intellect. He conversed with her and remarked that she was worthy to reign with him in his city. When Olga heard his words, she replied she was still a pagan, and that if he desired to baptize her, he should perform this function himself. Otherwise, she was unwilling to accept baptism. End quote. So the emperor's like, well. All right, we can do that. That's great. Like you're converting to Christianity. That is that's pretty rad. He, and so with the help of the patriarch, which is the highest ranking bishop in Eastern Orthodoxy at the time, the emperor Constantine and the patriarch baptize her and she becomes Christian. Huh. She's like the first Rus to ever do it and Viking for that matter. Right. Uh, and it was it was kind of like an, a big moment for Christianity, at least. Got our first Viking. <laughs> yeah, so they baptize her, but then Constantine's like Got our first mass murderer. <laughs> <laughs> I know, well, no, they get Christianity plenty, had plenty, plenty of those. Of those. <laughs> I mean, that's how they knew she was smart. She had like defeated all these people and like put put the unrest down and like managed the mischief, right? Managed <laughs> the mischief. But after her baptism, Constantine's like, but listen, dude, really though why don't you marry me? Because you're pretty well suited to it. Don't do it, Olga. Uh-oh. So here's here's where our girl Uh-oh. comes through, guys. She doesn't God. kill she does not kill him. He's oh, the emperor, okay? okay? All right, all right. <laughs> Just wouldn't be surprised, you know. So and this is all sort of speculation, but I believe it. You can always go to the pigeon strategy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, we we've like deduce that she's a hottie and that she's super smart and strategical st- strategical? That's not a word. Strategic. <laughs> and so it makes her a huge catch for marriage, right? But marrying her would also have secured Constantine's relationship and power over Rus. Mm. Uh, and Olga knows this. Mm-hmm. And supposedly, this is why she was baptized. Because in the church, the person who baptizes you is becomes your baptismal sponsor. And then to have a relate to marry them would be considered incest, spiritual incest. Oh. So Olga's like oh, you can't marry me because that's not allowed. These rules of Christianity say that you can't do that. Slick, Olga. Very (laughs) slick. That's a great move. So she basically, she just outwits the fuck out of everybody, including the emperor, including like more or less their pope. (laughs) She gets them all. She um, and then the emperor was like super impressed. And he says, the, the quote from the book is, Olga, you have outwitted me. And he gave her many gifts of gold and silver and silks and vases and dismissed her, still calling her his daughter. You think he'd be a little offended. So she did it. But she did it so subtly and so smartly, like that they didn't know that it was there, that they were manipulated, right? Uh-huh. They were like, oh, you're right. They were like, That Shoot. is a Christian rule. We forgot about I that. I can't believe it. Well, you've been a good Christian. Mm-hmm. Go home You're better peace. than all of us. <laughs> so she maintains the power of the region. Wow. Right? So that's like the bulk of the story. Um, her son was not a fan of Christianity. He would not be converted, um, which was like a huge disappointment for her. <laughs> but she did convert a lot of people. Uh, and she managed to build a whole bunch of churches in Kiev. And she also had her husband, even though he wasn't going to convert, he agreed not to kill people that did convert, which was, turns out, another huge win for Christianity. Because at that point, people who converted, the pagans would just right. kill them. Yep. So a bunch of people got to live. Uh, she built mm. a bunch of churches. Uh, and then, despite her failure to convert her husband, her grandson, 
Vladimir the Great officially converted in 988. Where he so he was the first king of the region mm-hmm. to convert. Uh, so she like really came through, and she was sainted by the church. Really? What? She was sainted for bringing Christianity to the region that previously was all pagan. So, like, 600 years after her death, the Russian Orthodox Church sainted her, and she is the patron saint of widows and converts. So she is our first broad who's a saint. Interesting. That blows my mind. (laughs) Considering how hard it is for them to saint anyone, let alone women. Well, that was in 1547 Uh is when the sainting happened. So I don't know if that's, maybe it was easier. 600 years after she was dead. Yeah. But, but her deeds were in bringing, you know, in the eyes of the church. Uh And when she's baptized, she's cleansed of her sins, right? Right. Yep. So killing like Odilian Drevlians was a factor. Yeah. Oh my God. 15, whatever, when they sainted her, they're like Drevlian Schmevlian. Dude. Can you believe her? Wow, Olga. An incredible story. Olga of Kiev, our first saint. Saint Broad and the original Daenerys Targaryen. She's the yeah. patron saint of what? Widows and Widows what? and converts. Widows and converts. Okay. Which that makes, makes sense. sense. <laughs> Those are the two things we heard about a lot in that story. Yeah. And she was sainted not just by the Russian Orthodox Church, but like all of the Orthodox what a, Churches what a, that's, sainted her as well. They're even like calling out that she was a mass murderer, patron saint of widows. Like you killed all those men and created all those widows. Therefore, she was forgiven. Yeah. Guys, Christianity. I know. <laughs> You can do anything. You can do anything. All you have to do is say sorry one time to God and maybe pray a bunch of times. And you're... At least in that church. Right, <laughs> right, right. Right. right, right, yeah. Um, Raised Catholic, wow. so I can speak against it. <laughs> to learn more about Olga of Kiev and see some artistic depictions of her, you can visit broadsyoushouldknow.com. While you're there, click on over to the About page and read more about me and Sam and Chloe, formerly known as Justin. Our bios and photos, links to all our cool stuff and our social are there. And speaking of social, are you following Broads You Should Know yet? We're on Facebook and Instagram at Broads You Should Know and Twitter at BYSK Podcast. To suggest a broad, fill out the form on our website or email us at broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. Are you a fan of this podcast? If so, help support us by spreading the word. Share us with your friends and family, or better yet, leave us a review on your podcasting platform. It really helps other listeners to find us. Broads You Should Know is produced by me, Sarah Gorski, and edited by Chloe Skye, with original music by Darren Callahan. Finally, if you want to do some more listening right now, I recommend you start with those episodes I mentioned at the very beginning of this episode, including Lilu Uokulani, Queen Ranavalana III of Madagascar, Ryu Kwansun in Korea, as well as Verchislavska, the anti-Soviet gymnast. See you next week for another Broad You Should Know.